0: Hey, it's fun having Jason lead us in worship with Justin and Holly on the mission field this week. Thank you for your leadership there. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to grab it, turn to the book of Daniel. If you don't have one with you, there should be one in the pew there in front of you. If you don't own one, we'd love to give that to you. The book of Daniel, chapter 1 is actually where we're going to start today. I just had an incredible missional trip with my oldest daughter who's 14. We had the opportunity to go to Egypt and Jordan as the spiritual leader on a tour of our faith in the sites that are all over Egypt and Jordan. Y'all know that the Christian faith is not just based on theology, but it's based on history, real events that happened in actual places. And It was so fun for my daughter and I to get to share together, seeing those places, and then as we were doing it, to be sharing devotionals and leading a, a large group that ended up being over 100 people on a trip of Egypt and Jordan. I want to share with you a little from that trip. Uh, our guide told us as we were approaching the traditional location for Mount Sinai. It's actually the location I believe is the location for Mount Sinai. He said, hey, we don't recommend that anyone tries to hike Mount Sinai unless you're in incredible physical condition. Uh, We have the option of the rest of you uh, taking camels up the mountain if you would like to do that. It's about a 14 mile hike, a lot of up and down. And so then he asked, okay, who wants to hike it? One person in incredible physical condition raised their hand, and then my daughter raised our hands. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I guess that means we're, we're, we're doing this, uh, which was fun. As we took off on the hike, uh, everybody else was on camels, and they actually brought camels behind us for the first like 45 minutes of the hike, waiting for us to tell them that we couldn't do it anymore. And at one point they had asked another time uh, hey do y'all want to get on a camel and and Anna looks at the person who asked and said no me and my dad are gonna do this and she grabbed my hand (laughs) and we went up that mountain it was awesome and as we were going up the mountain to be able to pause in different places and to talk about the burning bush, to talk about the Ten Commandments, to talk about Elijah getting to be there. Here's a picture of my daughter when we were almost all the way to the top, uh, looking out over that area. Next photo is up on the top uh, together, uh, looking out over that area. And just to, to, to think about, I'm getting chills even right now, again, even thinking about all that God has done, even if it's not that mountain specific in that area for his glory well while we were up there one of the people who was on our trip next picture here I'm going to talk about the other two that are with my daughter and I on your far right is a a girl named Kelly that we got to know pretty well on the trip and through tears she said Sam I would like for you to take a picture of me with my dad and I said I thought your dad had passed we had talked about earlier she said he has but I brought a picture of him up Mount Sinai with me. And so she pulled out a picture of her father and I got to take a picture with her and her dad on Mount Sinai. Now, if you're here in the room and you've lost your dad on Father's Day, I know for many this is a painful day for her the week of Father's Day up on Mount Sinai, her missing her dad. To her left, my right, Actually, that's not the right way, is it? If you flip it around, looking at the picture, whatever that is, is a man by the name of Gary. Gary is mid-50s. He has already lost three of his five children, tragically, and his wife. And while we were up there, he said to me, Sam, this trip has brought to my attention that there are many other people that share my faith that I need to just step out and become friends with. Now, it may sound like a, a small statement. He had actually, he's told me that he's going to actually start joining us online for worship, and I've encouraged him to find a faith family. And I I was like, that's awesome, Gary. Yes, I believe, like he's seeing on the trip that there are a lot of people who share his faith that he can grow a friendship with and he doesn't have to walk through life lonely, which is something that we had talked about. Why do I start here? Uh, Well, today is Father's Day and what I was gonna share today is a little bit different than it is now after having this conversation with him. Uh, Y'all know that we are right now in a culture that is walking through a loneliness epidemic. And it's especially true for men. Here's a few stats that I'll put out on the screen. Gallup, as well as another organization, AEI's Survey Center on America, has found the percentage of men with at least six close friends was cut in half between the years of 1990 and 2021. So 50% of those in America 30 years ago would say they have six close friends. Now that's dropped to like 25%. Another stat, one in five single men say they have no close friends. Another one here, uh, this may not surprise you, but here's what it says. Men are less likely than women to share their personal feelings with and then also receive emotional support from Friends significantly less likely. Which has led to, and what we're going to talk about today applies to both men and women, but on Father's Day, I want to invite specifically men into what I think we see in the Bible, all over the Bible, but in a unique way in the book of Daniel, in the friendship we see with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. You'll know that this loneliness is actually leading to It's leading to some medical issues. Maybe y'all have read some of this stuff. One article I read, and I don't know how they measure this, but they've said that deep feelings of loneliness are actually more hazardous to your health than drinking and smoking in excess combined. Now, I don't know how they measure that, but that's what the article said. It has a lot of physical effects on our lives. Is, is it what God intended for us to feel lonely? Y'all know that before sin, in the very first story of creation, before sin entered the world, God said it is not good for man to be, what? Alone. He then makes Eve, I don't think it means you have to have a spouse. I think we see throughout Scripture that God invites us to go through life with other people. Specifically, I think his design ultimately for the church is that you and I would have real deep faith friends, people that share our beliefs in the God that created the world, that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew. So today, on this Father's Day, again, this applies to all of us, but I wanna talk about what we see in the book of Daniel. Next week, we're gonna start into the prophetic section, but I want us to look at the friendships we see in these four men in the story. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want us to learn from them. The writer of Proverbs says, "Theres are friends that stick closer than brothers. And, and I believe in a unique way, if we actually see this story, it's not going to help you just click close to friends, other people. it'll actually help you get close to God. God is omnipresent, but God has chosen to, in the life of those who believe in His Son Jesus, to fill them with the Holy Spirit. So in a unique way, you actually can grow closer to God through glowing. Glowing? That's not what I meant to say. I guess you could be spiritually glowing. Growing closer to those who know him. Y'all with me? All right. I'm going to look at chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three for three points. Chapter one, y'all may remember the story goes this way. Babylon, this incredibly corrupt culture, comes in and overtakes Judah and brings some of the royalty out of Judah, and then they try to indoctrinate them in order to assimilate them into their culture, but Daniel and his friends say no. And Here's what I want you to see first for faithful friendships and ask, is this something that God could be inviting you into? As we see in their life, this uncondemning accountability. Uncondemning accountability. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Daniel decides when he is being indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture that, hey, there is, there's, there's going to be something that I'm going to say no to. I'm not going to be... Bringing into my life all that the culture is putting out, but he doesn't do it alone. Skip down to verse eleven. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Daniel, and now he's going to use their Hebrew names: Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Test your servants, plural, for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our, all, us, my faith friends, that it, let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants, plural, according to what you see. If you want to make a difference in the world, you need to be different. Well, how, how, how do you be different? Well, Daniel knew and so did his friends that what we bring into our life needed to be different than what the world is bringing into their lives. And so he decided he was going to say no and he did it with a group of friends. He said no with his group of friends to what they were bringing in. They decided not to indulge, but they did it together. Maybe you've heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out. (laughs) They recognize, hey, we we want to be different. And so we are going to say no to what we bring in to our lives. You know, this can go both ways. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and we think he was actually quoting from culture at the time, a quote from their world where it said, bad company corrupts good morals. Friendships can lead you to do the wrong thing or to do the right thing, right? There's something about your closest friends that brings a gravity with them to pull you in to what they do. Have you noticed that? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they brought with their friendship an uncondemning accountability. Now, I want to have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, today, we're, we're celebrating dads a little bit with uh, the Pop Rocks thing theme. Kids, if you haven't gone outside yet, uh, y'all might have noticed that we have blow-up uh, guitars for dad, and there's like Pop Rocks candy, and there's a place for you to take pictures in front of a... Last year, instead of doing Pop Rocks and candy, we did popcorn for pop. Y'all remember this? How many of you noticed the email that we sent out that week, which by the way, with full permission, we've laughed about this internally as a staff. How many of y'all noticed that there was an autocorrect on what we sent out to the church? Here's what we sent out to the church last week. I mean, last year for Father's Day. Uh, I don't, if we still have this picture, is, is it still in the outline? So last week, last year, if they don't have it, that's fine. We sent out to the church hey, on Sunday we forefathers are going to have pop porn. <laughs> did you? Did, did anybody see that last year? Yeah, epic, right? Epic. Autocorrect doesn't always help you. There's, the reason it autocorrected is we had put a, a piece of popcorn over where the O was. And so the popcorn word didn't exist anymore because the, the O became, do you understand? I'm just. Yeah, why is it? It's, it's funny because like that's an issue for so many men and women, right? It's one of the places that we talk about the need for accountability. But it's not just, I think, in visual, sexual things. Accountability is needed and can be very helpful. My, my accountability partner and I have gone through in our church the Conquer series two different times. But it's needed in a lot of areas, right? We talked about a drug, I mean, alcohol and smoking earlier and whatever. It's important to find relationships, people that share your faith, that can help hold you accountable, but not in a condemning way. You know, if you're reading through the Bible with us today, we read in John chapter 8 the story of Jesus walking up on a woman who was caught in adultery. Y'all remember this story? The religious leaders were going to stone her, and this boggles my mind because they say we're going to stone you because the Bible actually says that's what we're supposed to do. The law of Moses says that's what we're supposed to do for people. And Jesus, he didn't say that's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus... You remember his response? Whoever is without what? Sin, throw the first stone. What happens? Can anybody throw a stone? No, so they put the stone down and then Jesus turns to the woman and it was beautiful and it's something I think that many Christians, if you wanna understand accountability, if you wanna understand relationships in our culture right now, Jesus' words in this order are so important. He says, neither do I condemn you, now go and sin no more. We see in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life, even in this story, of chapter one, you can read, they're not pointing fingers at the others and what they're doing. They're very respectful of the leader who's inviting them to eat the food. They're not, they're not saying, I'm better than, or I'm, th-. no, it's an uncondemning, but it is a strong line. I'm not gonna do that. What does it look like for us to find those kinds of friendships? Well, can I say it may start in, in you pursuing through we have a lot of care groups in our church. Rebecca and I, with our life group, went through marriage core, and just the accountability that comes out of you walking through stuff like that with people you know and love. What would it look like for you to say, hey, would you, would you not, not point fingers in a negative way at me, but would you hold me accountable? I think part of the way you find friendships is you open up about your need for others to come alongside of you and hold you accountable like we see in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. First one, faithful friendships, uncondemning accountability. Second one, I think we see in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not only an uncondemning accountability, but also an unending intercession. Uh, Intercession, literally praying for another, going to the throne of grace to God on the account of someone else. Chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. After he has the dream, he tells his wise men, I want you to tell me the dream and its interpretation. If you don't, I'm going to kill you all and tear you limb from limb. They say to him, hey, why don't you tell us the dream and we will tell you the interpretation. He says, no, I need you to do both or you're going to die. What does Daniel do when he hears that that's what the king has said. He goes to his faithful friends and he asks them to intercede. Here's what we read, Daniel chapter two, verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. What does the word companion mean? They are his faithful friends. He lets them know of what happened and he, in verse 18, told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So something significant happens. Daniel's life is in danger. And what does Daniel need? Daniel needs friends that will intercede for him and actually i think for them because they were also brought into this group do you have friends that you can go to and say i need you to pray will you pray for me do you have friends in your life that can step in and do that I think part of the reason we don't get friends like that, and I think often men, one of the reasons we don't get friends like that is because it's kind of hard to do. For me, it is vulnerable. It is difficult to say, will you pray for me? But that's part of the door that opens up friendships that go deeper than the surface, right? that love the person around them enough to do the most loving thing the world has ever known. And that is to take that person's need, the person that you care about and love, to the one who can meet the need, God. This fall, this fall, seven years for me getting to serve here in our church and I've loved it. One of the things that's coming for me and it's a little bit weird, I'm like I've never done this before in my life, is a sabbatical. And as I've met with and I've talked to other pastors about what is it that I need to do going into a sabbatical, they've said, you need to ask the church to pray for you. And when they first started saying that, I was like, I don't know, I don't want them thinking about me. And then I realized, no, that's, that's an important thing for me to do. But that's not just something important for pastors to ask people to pray for them. Christians, right, we... We, if we believe there's a God who loves us, we need to have others around us praying for us. So where does that start? I think it starts first and primarily in the groups that make up a church. A church is a group of people who devote them to another. This is Acts chapter two, we're gonna look at it beginning of next year. Acts chapter two, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the breaking of bread and to Prayer, fellowship and prayer that that in our groups we have the opportunity to really pray for those that we're going through life with as a pastor here in our church most of the time I'm not hearing about someone who is sick from that person calling me and saying hey Pastor Sam I'm sick most of the time the way I hear about it is from their group that's praying for them Most of the time, I hear about what's happening in the lives of people in our church that are hurting from people that are praying for them that are in a group with them. Have you found that? Well, I think part of, again, the way you find that is taking the step, not just to say, hey, would you hold me accountable, but would you pray for me? Daniel did it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What would it look like for you to pursue that with those around you faithful friendships we're not great at it we're in a world that really needs them what else could we learn from Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they had uncondemning accountability they had unending intercession for each other and then finally they had unbending worship that they shared together I had some fun with the outline this week yeah putting that together unbending worship chapter three the story of nebuchadnezzar putting together this golden idol and then commanding everyone in the kingdom to bow down to the idol you know that a lot can be said about what's happening in our culture today but it's not this extreme You might get upset about a different political leader, but I have not yet seen a political leader in the United States say, here's an idol of me. If you don't worship them, you're gonna burn. And literally, I will burn you in a furnace. Like that's what's happening in their culture. So he he puts together this idol. He says, you have to bow your knee and worship it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not. They do not bow to this idol and they don't bow together. Do you have to do it with other people? No, it looks like Daniel, even though he did have a close relationship with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in chapter six, lines in, he looks like he's alone at that point. But let me tell you, I think it surely helps to have people around you who are not bowing when the world calls you to. Look at chapter three, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we, notice it's plural, not I, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our, plural, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us, again, plural, out of your hand, O king, But if not, but if not, these crazy words, but if not, be it known to you, O King, that we, plural, as they stand together, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set. I'm going to share with you a story, true story, of someone who grew up in China that is part of our church This person who grew up in China when she was seven years old was taken with her class to an amusement park in China. And as they were at the amusement park, the teacher told the students as they were going from one location to the other location that this next location is an opportunity for you to worship Buddha. And we're gonna sound a gong and after the gong sounds, All of you need to bow down before Buddha and worship Buddha. This was at an amusement park. This girl at the age of seven did not. And I want to read to you what she said. When the gong sounded, all the children at once got down on their knees. They put their faces to the ground and they bowed down except for one, this young Christian girl. Her mom's telling the story right now. She was sternly told by her classmates that she had to bow down, but she refused and said no. When they asked why, she said, I worship the one true God. A few months later, she was still only seven at the time. When recalling that day, she said, I quote, I had a choice to make and I chose no. God gave me a lot of courage you might wonder, Sam, why are you telling that story? That's an individual not bowing down. Here's why I'm telling you that story. I heard that story about a month ago, and I've not forgotten it. That story has impacted my life. She is in my faith family, and because I know her story, it gives me strength. Because she did not bow when the world called her to, It encourages me not to bow when the world calls me to. And this is what faithful friends who are following Jesus do for one another. When the world, and we're in a culture, right? That is calling us to bow in so many different ways. We, when we function in that culture, need strong Christian friends that with us call us to worship the one true God and not bow our knees to the culture. How do you find that? How do you find that? Well, I think maybe it's asking. This last week, one of the locations where we got to go on this trip was the city of Petra in Jordan. Petra is in the area of Edom that is mentioned over and over and over in our Bibles, but only once is the ancient name of Petra mentioned in the Bible, and it's mentioned in the story of a king named Amaziah. And I want to read to you just a little bit because it has to do with worshiping the false gods of culture. Here's what it says. Amaziah took over when he was 25 years old. This is 2 Kings 14, verse 3 says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not like David, his father. What was not like David? Verse 4, but the high places. What were the high places? The high places were the places in the Middle East Where people would go to worship the false gods of their culture. He says, But the high places were not removed. When you read the Old Testament stories of the kings, y'all know this is like a repeated pattern. The good kings who did right destroyed the high places, Amaziah did not. The high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Verse 7, he struck down 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt, and he took Sila, the ancient title for the city of Petra. In Petra, the only place you can go in the Middle East to see an intact High places I'll show you a few pictures We hiked up the canyon walls As you get close to the top There are obelisks that are still standing That were carved into the stone Those are about 25 foot tall And as you get all the way up to the top The altars for the high places of worship Are still there And sitting there Looking at those altars it was grieving my soul to think about the false worship that happened for so long in that place. Not just false worship, but like sacrifices being offered to a false god. And as I thought of it, I thought, Lord, where in my life, where in my life am I allowing myself to worship false gods? And while I was there, got a text from a friend who's in our life group, asking for prayer in an area that prompted me to recognize false worship in me. Faithful friends, faithful friends lead, and we see in Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, uh, uncondemning accountability, unending intercession and unbending worship. We need friends. Men, fathers, you need friends, I need friends that lead us that direction. So how do we close on something like this? I think if I stopped right now, this would actually be a non-Christian sermon. What do I mean by that? Uh, Almost every religion that's out there will tell you don't worship something else. What's different about Christianity? Christ here's what I want to point out to you today while we were up there on Mount Sinai back to my first story Kelly who was the one who asked me to take a picture of her holding a picture of her dad Kelly said hey Sam I want you to repeat what you've been saying every day at the end of your devotionals and I said okay like the there's a real kingdom and a real king his name is Jesus he is the Christ the son of God and and she, she was like yeah 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 that that but I want you to slow down. And I was like, what do you mean slow down? she's like, you've said it like really fast. I wanna really hear what you're saying. And I was like, oh, that's actually probably something good for me to think about. Okay, so I, I slowed down. So there's a real kingdom and a real king. His name is Jesus. He's the Christ. That's the Greek word for Messiah. The son, Father's Day, the son of God. In his love and by his grace, he lived a perfect life. He had, by the way, some good friends, Peter, James, and John, the 12. He lived a perfect life, He died for our sin, rose again, and is coming back. Repent, believe, follow him, and be part of his kingdom now and forever. The the Christian message is not that you have to be a great friend to get into heaven. The Christian message is, Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. The the Christian message is not, you've got to be a perfect father to get into heaven. The Christian message is, we've got a good, good father. That's who he is, right? And he invites his followers into faithful friendships for his glory and our good. And I want to pray with you. I want to first invite you, if you've never repented, placed your faith in him and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to invite you in your heart right now to do that. I got to talk this first hour afterwards with two, two young girls who had done it at Mission McKinney this week. Maybe for you right now online or here in the room, you want hey, I'm ready. Lord, I want to, I want to follow you. I want to invite you to do that. And if at one point in your life you've done that, Could you just say to God on Father's Day, you're a good, good father, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.